2: Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, and may she rest in peace. It happened during my show that she died at least when I found out I think it was then Queen Elizabeth II at 96 years of age my dad was 96 when he died so the number does resonate with me as I said as soon as as soon as I found out about it the uh, the woman personified dignity one of the puzzles of my life there are well, no, you know what, I take that back. I think I do understand now why there would be so many people in Britain who would like to abolish the monarchy. What harm does it do? Well, the harm for these people is that it it represents the past. And as the Soviet dissidents used to say, under communism the future is known it's the past that is always changing get rid of the past get rid of any symbol of unity They they hate unity unless it's racial unity national unity repulses the left racial unity is beautiful you're a traitor to your race if you are a black conservative that's what they say Larry Elder, Candace Owens are race traitors. How could you be a traitor to a race? It's an interesting question unto itself. Does race represent a value system? Does it make you a separate group from others? What if you are of mixed race? Do you half serve as a traitor? You're a half traitor, You're, you're a trait. What if you're a quarter? black let's say so there is a, a movement there has been to abolish the monarchy the last remaining vestige of the past when so much has been shattered by the people who hate the past whether it's Shakespeare or Churchill the Brits did some bad stuff but the net result of the British has been a better world of how many, how many peoples can it be said that the net result of there being a nation on Earth has been a better Earth? Seriously, how many, of how many groups can that be said? Groups, tribes, nationalities, ethnicities, nationalities, not many, my friends, not many which is why they're hated, because the bad hate the good and the small hate the tall. The moral midgets hate the moral giants. Another one of those rules of life. We have a video at PragerU on the British Empire. You should watch it now. They're all five minutes. So this is not a big-time consumer. But it is, it is worth watching what the net result of British imperialism or colonialism was. The one I know best is India. India was a country in name, but not a country in fact. Different, the, the many, many, many different groups and languages in India had nothing to do with one another there is a one India because the British gave them all English gave them all a justice system abolished the burning of widows the famous statement of the British colonial secretary now I don't think secretary was the word administrator of India when told When he told some Indian officials that they could no longer allow Sati, the practice of widows widows jumping into the fire of the funeral pyre of their dead husband, the story goes that the Indian officials said, well, that is our custom here in India, to which he said, well, we have a custom in England to hang people who burn widows and that ended Sati for the most part in the land in the country of India I'm not a fan of the successor her son King Charles II now I hope I am wrong she was above politics And he has not been, and you don't have to guess what his politics are. You can assume. It transcends guessing, and it moves into the realm of assumption. He is a product of the 60s. Very, very keen on fighting climate change so that his fellow citizens cannot afford to heat their homes in winter or cool them in summer because it has no effect on him, obviously, or on any of the environmentalists. They're almost all rich, bored people. That's who comprise the group. They have found a way to make a living, a good one in some cases, and to feel really, really, really good about themselves that they are saving the planet. That's King Charles the second he's gung ho on that, so what the what the British and German governments are now doing is spending tens upon tens of billions of dollars to give people money to buy energy that is being suppressed because it comes from fossils fossil fuel. It is better to give people money not to freeze during the winter or be very hot in the summer, print money, thereby hurting everybody, than it is to allow them to use natural gas or fracking or nuclear power. I can only say about the left that they have been one of the single greatest forces keeping me religious. If this is the product of the anti-religious secularists, then religion must have something really, really good to say for it, and it does. 51% of Democrats, just in, 51% of Democrats. That's an astonishing thing. This is, uh, where is this coming from? Morning consult. Nearly half of voters don't want their state to follow California's lead on banning new s- sales of gas-powered cars. Yeah, but nearly half don't want means more than half do want. It, 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 I, I fear for my state in 2035, but the companies that are all woke have announced that electric cars, we don't have enough electricity now with gas-powered cars. Alan says King Charles II he's right he's right, I mean the third. he's right it's King Charles III my apologies to King Charles III I assume though that people will just say King Charles as they did with Queen Elizabeth she was the second but people always said Queen Elizabeth King Charles he's, I believe he's in yeah, he's in his 70s has anybody ever ascended to the throne of Britain who, uh, who was that old, I wonder? She had the longest reign. You should see pictures of her when she was younger. Quite an attractive woman. She stayed attractive, obviously giving the ravages of quite old age in her 90s. Charles is seventy-three, right? Indeed, one eight Prager seven seven six. The attacks on Queen Elizabeth in the New York Times and elsewhere. The, the, of course, the famous or the infamous one. Let me find you that by a uh, a professor who wrote that uh, she she hopes that Queen Elizabeth suffers terribly in her dying days. I'll read to you about that. I'm I'm pretty sure that you're familiar with it. University professor wished Queen Elizabeth an excruciating death. Jeff Bezos attacked her. History repeats itself, and we're seeing that play out with inflation. When Jimmy Carter took office in the late 70s, gold sold for $140 an ounce. By 1980, the price of gold topped out at $870 an ounce. If today's market performs like it did when Carter was in office, the price of gold could skyrocket from $1,800 an ounce to $9,300 an ounce. This is Dennis Prager for Coin and Bullion. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to purchase precious metals while the prices are still stable. If history repeats itself, we'll see a run on gold, silver, and platinum that will certainly drive up prices. Be smart and buy now, as I am. At AmFed, you're dealing with specialists who provide you with personalized attention, honest information, and sound advice. You'll never be pressured into buying outrageously priced so-called collectible coins or anything that you don't need. Take advantage of today's prices. AmFed, Coin, and Bullion. 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. So here is the story on the... This professor, a university professor, wished Queen Elizabeth II an excruciating death, and she was promptly slammed by Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. I heard the chief monarch. This is what the the woman said: a professor, Uju Anya, which comes from Nigeria, came to the U.S. At ten. She's another one of these famous ingrates, infamous ingrates, like Ilan Omar and the others. I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. Uju Anya, an associate professor of second language acquisition at Carnegie Mellon University, wrote in a tweet yesterday, May her pain be excruciating. The world's third richest man... Then quoted Anya's tweet and wrote, This is someone supposedly working to make the world better? I don't think so. Wow. Well, she's your run-of-the-mill professor, as it happens. She's just more honest and open than many. And her follow-ups to her initial post elsewhere, the Carnegie Mellon professor defended... Her tweet in explicit terms. After one Twitter user wrote, "You, you stink," she responded, "Can I use a? You, oh, you don't see this article? Can I say the p-word on uh, the the women genitalia term? Yeah, I guess so. Because you can't say it. No, please don't. Is not the same as can I? <laughs> I if I say it, you'll dump it. Okay." I, I don't. Uh, I'm not attacking Sean here, uh, but we. Uh, it, who, po- who published this? I forgot who published this. It's Queen Elizabeth. I don't remember. It's one of the rare times I didn't put the source of the article. Anyway, they put the word in, and uh, uh, I believe in using the original language to give you an idea of the low moral state of the user, but. It is what it is. So somebody wrote you stink and she responds the professor, you mean like your P word? I mean that's this is this is the level of this woman a, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. She is not atypical of the state of the professoriate at our time. She is only more outspoken. Anya also doubled down under response to Bezos, posted just minutes after Elizabeth's death death was confirmed, writing, May everyone you and your merciless greed have harmed in this world, remember you as fondly as I remember my colonizers. So she comes from Nigeria. That was her statement to Jeff Bezos. And she, uh, Nigeria was colonized. What she writes about that is uh, that it was genocidal. Now, I, I don't I don't recall any British genocide in any of its colonies, let alone Nigeria. So I would be very curious to know what she is referring to, because if you throw around the word genocide and the, the victims of real genocides are being deprived of the status of suffering that they underwent. To overuse genocide is to cheapen the word out of existence. Twitter later took down Anya's initial tweet for violating its rules, which bar, quote, wishing or hoping that someone experienced physical harm. Anya and Carnegie Mellon did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Carnegie Mellon, if it makes a comment, will say something to the effect that uh, Carnegie Mellon treasures freedom of speech, as if, if if this were directed at a minority. Let us say, if some if some right wing professor had wished a, a figure in. in a black figure, a Hispanic figure, gay figure, an excruciating death, Carnegie Mellon would say, oh, we have free speech at our university. Maybe they would. When another user asked why she would wish Elizabeth dead, the professor wrote, I'm not wishing her dead. She's dying already. I'm wishing her an agonizingly painful death like the one she caused for millions of people. If anyone expects me to express anything but disdain, for the monarch who supervised a government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family and the consequences of which the those alive today are still trying to overcome you can keep wishing upon a star so they so the british government sponsored a genocide that massacred and displaced half her family that's nigeria i i Look, I'm very curious to know she has a, a chance to educate the public when and where did Britain commit genocide in Africa? The Belgians did in the Congo. that's correct. Belgians were a pretty sadistic group. But uh, I don't know that the British did. so this would be this would be an educational moment. According to an interview with Anya that Carnegie Mellon published in January, the linguistics professor was born in Nigeria, a British colony, until 1960. She moved to the U.S. when she was 10, attended Dartmouth College, Brown University, and the University of California, Los Angeles. This woman is a product of Dartmouth, Brown, and UCLA, not of British Genocide.
0: the Dennis Prager show.
2: My pillows is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build My Pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream Bed Sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale for as low as 29.98 with our listener promo code Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream Sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager. Or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Prager. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here. response to the Young Turks, it would bring me great joy to debate both or one of you. So it's a lie that I wouldn't debate you. I said it in the beginning that I would. I would go on your show, but you announced that you would not have me on your show. I don't blame you to have all your left-wing viewers hear me would be a shock. Shock. Because they never hear us. We hear you, we hear the left all the time, so there's no shock. You're totally invited to come on my show. Okay? So I hereby accept the invitation, which you had originally said you would never make or be receptive to if I made, which I made from the beginning. So the ball is in your court. Do you want to come on my show or would you like me on your show? Oh both. Whatever you want. You name the time, I will do it. Okay, just we'll see what happens, my friends. The uh I can't wait to play. We don't have the time today. I'm gonna have to devote an hour to the latest attack on me. So this has gone international. I said that nice people can do horrible things. I've said this for years now, never confuse personal niceness with not supporting evil doctrines. They were nice people who supported the most genocidal idea, the most genocidal movement in history, communism. Some of them were nice. That's all my lesson is. When I, It starts with all the nice people who vote for the left, who are destroying the United States of America and Western civilization. Okay? All the liberals, many of whom are nice, vote for despicable human beings who are crushing the finest country ever made, like the Young Turks, who hate the greatest country ever made. Would they be prepared to ever say that? What is the best country ever made? I'd like to ask the Young Turks. I have no idea what their answer would be. By the way, she said she would bet anything that I'm fully vaccinated because I said the unvaccinated were the most hated group in America since slavery, which was true at the time. The, 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 they couldn't go to school. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't, they couldn't do almost anything. The hatred of the unvaccinated, it, it's amazing how our memories are so short. I'll bet anything Prager is fully vaccinated. Well, if she's referring to the vaccines my parents gave me when I was a child, that's true, but if she's referring to anything having to do with COVID, I didn't take one vaccine. It was well known to my audience and I did take therapeutics, Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine with zinc. I got COVID twice and I was fine twice just for the record, the assumptions that they make. Oh, I can't wait to play it for you. This was a new one. I I hope I can use this word, Sean. Did you hear the broadcast that you just played for me? I'm a Christian She found out I'm a Jew. I cannot say that. There's a lot. I thought there were six words you can't say, or seven. Oh, what about backside liquor? Can I say that? I lick Christian backsides. Yes, this is what she... This is. <laughs> yes, no, the, the left has attacked me as being a, a, a Christian lover. Can you think of something worse? Yeah, that's right. The people who uh, founded this country, I have great admiration for. They weren't founded by the left. Everything the Marxists founded ended up in evil, pure, undiluted evil. Okay, It rivals every other evil in history, what communists have done. The left's record of making good society is zero. The Christians' record is pretty high. Christians did a lot of bad stuff. That's true. It's a mixed bag, but it's way in favor of what Christians did. The bad Christians did was pretty universal, but the good Christian good that Christians did was pretty unique. Right. They, these are vicious human beings and stupid. The arguments are stupid. I don't know if they're stupid. The arguments are stupid. They're not stupid in the sense that they don't have brain matter. But you can't think clearly and be a leftist. You can be a liberal, you can be a conservative, but you cannot be a leftist and think clearly. So what you do is you lie about the opponent's positions. And I live with it. It reinforces my convictions about the dangers of the left. That's what the young Turks and others do. Uncle Tom 2 is the eye-opening documentary everyone in America should see. Dennis Prager here and Uncle Tom 2 offers a compelling and brave analysis of the true history of black America. The cultural shift from prosperity, integrity, and faith to its current perceived state of anger, discontent, and victimhood Uncle Tom too offers historical footage, photos, correspondence, and data to reveal the genuine strides of black America in the 20th century. The deliberate Marxist strategy to create racial tension and replace God with government the NAACP's sinister agenda, the fall of Black Harlem, the truth behind Black Lives Matter, and the demoralization of America for political power. Don't miss Uncle Tom, 2 from executive producer Larry Elder and director Justin Malone, with Brandon Tatum, Vody Bauckham, and Chad O'Jackson. Watch the movie on demand or buy the DVD now at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. All right, everybody. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. I would like to tell those of you in Southern California and anybody who would like to travel to Southern California that next week, next Thursday night, September fifteenth, big big speech. Most of my speeches are outside of Southern California, so here's a, a good chance to come to a speech that I'm giving, but it's a special one. It is for the Jewish Republican Alliance. There will be, if you're a Jew and you're listening and you are lonely because you think all Jews are on the left, which is not true, you have a chance to meet kindred spirits next Thursday night. And it's sort of an emotional high. It, for that alone, you should uh, you should do it. It's, it's in Woodland Hills, and the speech link is at DennisPrager.com. There's a VIP reception if you want to meet with me earlier. The speaking event is 7.30, no entry after 8. Obviously, people of every faith and no faith are welcome, and it will uh, deeply, uh, deeply interest you. or jewishrepublicanalliance.org but there's a direct link at com, right yeah so either way it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, to uh, we, we don't get a cut as it were I just I just want you to go to it cuz this is these are important things it's good good to meet with other people who have who share your values again next uh, Thursday night Jewish Republican Alliance. Link at my website. I can't wait next week. We don't have the time today because we have the happiness hour coming up next hour. And that is the... uh, Then we have the open hour. So next week I'll play for you the latest Young Turks attacks on me. And what is really magnificent is, what is the right talking about? We don't want to control people's lives. They do. We on the right do. Under self-awareness you will not find any leftists listed. They don't want to control our lives. So let's say for example, that in California I will not be able to buy a gas-powered car 13 years from now, in 2035. Is that considered controlling people's lives? Is telling students at UCLA, if you don't get a flu shot, you have to wear a mask. Every University of California campus has now decreed you, if you don't get a flu shot, you must wear a mask. And, and these people at the Young Turks, to say that they gaslight doesn't, doesn't approach the reality. Virtually all suppression of liberty in America is from the left because all leftism has suppressed liberty everywhere it has taken power. There is no exception speech codes are are another example oh we don't control other people oh what are you talking about but if you don't use a preferred pronoun you can be fired oh we don't control other people at all not us you can't open your you can't open your store who is who is for that for 2 years or nearly 2 years don't open schools but all they come back is with abortion, abortion, abortion. Give me another example other than abortion. People on the right happen to believe that there are two lives involved, the mother and the child. It's not exactly controlling you. It's, it, it's controlling you in the same way that you not, don't allow stealing. They do allow stealing if it's under $950. It's basically allowed on the left. That's a separate issue. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Gabe has an interesting point in Encino, you know, California. Young Turks. And I don't know where they got that. I, I know where they got that. It's an old thing from Ataturk. After the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, the the secular Turks who took over Turkey and did a good job in in secularizing Turkey, by the way. I believe that in the West, secularism secularism is the root of our problems. It is the root of our undoing. But I'm not, for example, against the secularizing movement in Iran. A secular Iran right now would be better than the Islamist Iran that we have. A secular Iran would not sponsor terrorism all over the world, would not have as its greatest goal in life the annihilation of Israel and the killing of all the Jews there. So I'm, I'm well aware of that. Anyway that's how they got the name, the, the Young Turks. It was an interesting observation about the uh, treatment of the Armenians. This uh, professor at Carnegie Mellon is—I'd uh, like again—I really want to know what genocide they committed in Nigeria, where she is from. However, what is important for you to know is, she is just an extreme example of what has happened to uh, professors in uh, in the United States. And in Canada, the people who teach your children for sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year—it's—it's it's well worth your your knowing what they teach. I have long believed that every class should be recorded. I taught at college. I told kids record my classes. Why would I be afraid of the public knowing what I said? Back in a moment. Hey, I'll bet you expected me to sing along, eh, folks? I want to keep you on your toes. Hi, everybody. It's the Happiness Hour on the Dennis Prager Show. The happy make the world better. The unhappy make it worse. hey, 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 make it worse. That is why. It's an obligation to be happy, 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 happy hour, to be happy, happy, happy. The original lyrics. Hi everybody, I'm Dennis Prager. Happiness Hour is now in its 24th year. Wow. The way time works is very simple. Going forward, it's very, very long. Going backward, it's very, very short. That's the way it works. 24 years from now is a very long time. 24 years ago, they get that. Very few talk show hosts snap their fingers that well. It's it's one of... Can I snap with both hands? Amazing. My task is to impress Sean after all these years. It's a challenge, but we all need challenges. Well, it's the happiness hour. You're morally obligated to pursue happiness because, as I say, happy people make the world better and you can't inflict your bad moods on other people just like you don't inflict, hopefully, bad breath or bad body odor. Bad moods are in that category. Well, dear listener, last week was so powerful, the subject, which for whatever reason, I don't even know the reason, but I had never addressed directly like I did last week, hit so many listeners' in their heart or hit their nerves, that I want to do a part two of it this week. And I want to help you, if I can, with regard to this subject. The subject is, if you were hurt by your parents or a parent in some way, can you let go of it the part two is letting go of it I made a point last week which I had never made before and I realize that if I make a point only once a certain percentage of people will retain it and most won't most people have to hear I do well, that's not true. Sometimes I do. I have to hear something over and over. Sometimes, if I hear it once, I think, oh, wow, that's a bullseye. Letting go is not the same as forgiving. I am not asking you to forgive a parent who has hurt you or you feel hurt you. They're not always, the, the, in other words, hurt you is not necessarily accurate. You may feel they did. I know a person who bears terrible ill will to one of his parents for hurting him, he felt, when he was about 8 or 10. And he has never let it go, just never let it go. And it's it's really hurt his relationship with his parent. It is very hard to find someone. You can. But it's hard to find someone who was not hurt by a parent. Parents are human. Parents are flawed. Parents make mistakes. And given the role they have in a young person's life, a young child's life, a, a mistake can be magnified many, many times. I, I fully understand that. It's true for me. And I hope, I hope it's not true for my kids, but it might, might well be. This is almost inevitable in life you will be hurt in some way by a parent. In most cases, I can't speak of extreme cases, but in most cases, my advice is to let it go. I'm not asking you to to love your parent. I am not asking you to forgive your parent. I'm asking you to let it go. A lot of people say they forgive, forgetting now childhood experience. There are people who say, even if a loved one, a child, a spouse, a parent is murdered, they forgive the murderer who was not even asked for forgiveness. And when I've spoken to such people on the radio, they have said, I didn't want to, to carry that anger the rest of my life. Well, I can't address that part because I, ha- I, don't, I don't know whether you should carry that anger the rest of your life. I, I would, uh, but I, I don't know if carrying the anger the rest of your life is synonymous with a ruined life. For many people, it is. I don't know why I would stop being angry. I'm angry at the people who killed your loved one. I'm carrying it the rest of my life. I'm angry at every murderer. doesn't prevent me from having a happy life so anyway look people do if you you, god forbid you, you you have a loved one murdered you you'll do what you have to do if forgiving works forgive if if what whatever you need to do but i'm speaking now about the difference between forgiving and and letting go I advocate your letting it go, that you move on, that you understand the the humanity in the sense of not goodness, but the sense of being a human of your parent. Why have you not been able to let go, or did you let go, and what advice would you give to others in doing what you did? That's the subject, letting go. Or not being able to let go—that's the subject as well. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. When I have spoken to people who were hurt by a parent, it is—it uh, is really a divided world between those who carry that forever and those who let it go. One more point. Do we have the time for one more point, Sean? So, one one more point. I, uh, in my 20s, I went to, to a therapist. It was about six months. And I had just been divorced and I wanted to figure out what did I do wrong? If I did anything wrong, it was mutual. It was very amicable. We're, we remain very, very good friends with a great child who's now a father himself. But I really wanted to examine myself, and I spoke to him about some childhood hurts. And. I will never forget, obviously, I will never forget because it's a long time ago and I haven't forgotten. And he said he was like Freud, he looked like Freud, he was Austrian-Jew like Freud, he had a German accent like Freud, it was really it was quite something. He goes, Mr. Breger, I just want to say that if we had video cameras at that event, it might not be exactly like you remember it. <laughs> it blew my mind. I had this childhood memory of events, and maybe they weren't fully accurate. Never dawned on me that they might not be fully accurate. I've always, uh, some. I some are certainly fully accurate, but I'm not sure that all of them are. For your sake, I'm not doing this for the parents' sake. I'm doing it for your sake. You've got to try to let it go. All right, I'll take your calls.
0: The Dennis Prager Show. Don't let them know,
1: well now they know, let it go, let it go,
2: can't hold it back. Wow, this proves Sean listens let to my show. Go, Damn, I'm touched, I am really touched after all these years he still listens. He's paid to listen, however, so I don't know what to make of that. Let it go, hey, let it go. I think there's another song, Let It Go. I, think, I don't think this is the only one. Happiness Hour, every Friday, the second hour of my show. This is a big topic. I did part one last week. This is part two. I could do part 30. Not letting go of hurts from your parents, things they said, things they did. Things they didn't do. It is so helpful if you can let it go. I'm not even saying you should forgive them. That that's that's your call. And if that's the only way you can let it go, then forgive them. I'm worried about you. That's that's the purpose of this happiness hour. Oakadok. We have uh a lot of interesting stuff. Jake Jake in Minneapolis, hello.
1: Hi, Dennis. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Yeah, you, you kind of just answered my, my question. Um, I was going to ask you if you can utilize forgiveness if there's no other way to reconcile the past with, with a parent who certainly harmed you
2: in your childhood. Um and you kind of just answered that, and I was just. And, and by, say, by saying by saying what, what did I say that answered it?
1: You said, if you can't uh, if you can't move on, just use forgiveness or just forgive them and move on. And and I guess my my
2: question. Well, no, I said that. I said if the only way you can let go is to forgive, yeah. then forgive. I'm not advocating that people forgive their parents. Uh, I mean, if the parents okay. apologize, I, it, it might well be the right thing and it might well be i know a woman abused by her father and she forgave him and she she is a very happy stable individual but I'm, I, I don't know that everybody can do that I, all i care about is that it not paralyze that childhood experiences not paralyze people later in life okay all right okay all right that's
1: very very helpful
2: Thank you. I'm glad. Those are the magic words to me. Helpful. It was helpful. That's the purpose of, hopefully, everything I do. But certainly the happiness hour. My philosophy of happiness is very very clear. It's always been clear to me. When I say it, it will sound almost simplistic, but I... I don't tend to say things that are simplistic. I do try to say things that are simple. I don't want to be unhappy. I never wanted to be unhappy. I can't stand being unhappy. I have one life to live. I don't want to be an unhappy human being. It's one of the few things I recoil from. I fear even. So my question has always been, since I first said I don't want to be happy, to myself on a New York subway train in high school, when I did a lot of thinking in high school. My question is, since I don't want to be happy, what's bugging me? Yeah. You know how many people are unhappy and don't know why? I'm not saying everybody can figure it out, especially If the reason is biological, physiological, chemical then I I, I can't address that right now. But although even then the ideal is to figure out what, what chemistry is broken as it were. But whenever I feel unhappy the first thing I do is I try to figure out why. And it's not always easy, but you work out of your work because you, you sometimes suppress it. So find out why. So I I want you to do anything that works. If you forgive and it works, forgive. If you don't forgive but let go, don't forgive and let go. But why why if you have any power over it over it at all, would you let it ruin your life? In terms of happiness for your whole adult life because of something or some things your mother said to you, your father said, when you were 11 or 8. Okay, on to more calls. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mark in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello. Uh,
1: Thank you for taking my call. Um, Very quickly, nothing abusive or anything like that, other than some uh, mental abuse about my self-worth and things like that growing up. Uh, I had some therapy as a kid. I came to the conclusion that everything my parents did was never intended to be hurtful. It was tended. It, they may be joking, but they were always loving and tried to do their best for me. And I came to the conclusion that the hurtful I had, I can't change it. I know they love me, and I
2: let it go. Even forgave them. I have. People Did you, by life. the way? Let me just uh, clarify that for me and, and the listeners. Did you forgive them to their face, or you forgave them inside of you?
1: Both i i i i have explained this thought process. there's some tumult in my family, and I've explained this process uh, to them um I never said i forgive you but i I said that I came to the conclusion that everything you did was well intended, never intended to be hurtful uh you know
2: you uh, said- se- you outright. said this to them, yes, and how did they react
1: uh they were grateful. Uh, uh, I have a close relationship with them as a result,
2: and and how I'm old are you? Fifty-seven. How, what age did you say this to them? Oh, it has to be twenty years ago. I so, did it so it, did it gnaw at you till you were thirty-seven? Uh,
1: yeah, I didn't have a close relationship, and my personal existence wasn't a happy existence. a lot of blame, a lot of pointing fingers, and the only thing I can control is me. I can't control them or how they behaved. And, and when you come to the conclusion, at least in my circumstance, that it wasn't done with ill intent, they love me more than anything, I'm the child, uh, then it was easy to let it go.
2: Well, I'm very happy you called. Thank you. For those who can't do that, my advice is what I began the hour with. Let it go to the best of your ability. And in my opinion, one has great ability to do that. We'll be back.
0: Let Dennis be Dennis.
2: This is it, everybody. The area you the agenda. What is on your mind? Whatever's on your mind, especially if it concerns cigars, classical music, audio equipment, photography, and I'll tell you the fifth. Hi everybody, this is it, the final hour of the week. Weeks go by really, 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 really fast. Such is life. 1-8-Prager-776 is the number. If I let you go prior to speaking to you, please do not be hurt. I have done a number of happiness hours on the issue of we decide whether to be hurt that is so important the first thing you have to decide is the intent to hurt and what was the intent there is no obviously there's no intent to hurt because in most cases of course, nearly any any case I don't know who you are although I feel I know you during the call and it just may not be the topic that I want to talk about. Maybe too esoteric. It might be one I just talked about. It could be a lot of things. All right. So I shall go to thine calls here. And Leona Valley, wherever that is, California. Where is Leona Valley?
3: Oh, good to talk to you, Dennis. I'm just north about sixty miles from Los Angeles.
2: Oh. And I never heard of it. Wow
3: small little town just follow the san andrew's fault
2: very good oh go. No. so in case of earthquake i don't want to be in your city
3: <laughs> it is a pretty little town listen we both because i'm i'm pretty old too we've watched the evolution quickly of the uh, computers the iphones and they're charging into self-driving cars and things i'm not a scientist but i've i've noticed that the supercomputers are getting bigger and faster, more intelligent. And I listened to you two months ago when you were talking with, uh, I think, Charles Cloughhammer about deism versus atheism, and his response was that this whole subject is just over the ability of the human mind to grasp. And that's how I feel. I, I think it's just the the cause of the universe and our purpose in it and what we're supposed to do with it is beyond our scope. And I, I want your opinion if it might be the uh, HAL 9000 computer that touches the hand of God.
2: All right. Thanks for calling. Appreciate your call. I, I don't think that a that artificial intelligence will grasp God any better than our intelligence. I don't know why it would. Well, I can't conceive of what it would come up with that we have not already thought through. Anyway, artificial intelligence is what we program it to be. And that's why it's called artificial intelligence. But it can be very smart. It'll already be chess masters, the greatest chess players in the world in chess. That was a dramatic moment. That is why, my dear friends, the difference must always be understood as very significant between knowledge, which computers have, and wisdom. I don't know how you can program wisdom. Maybe you can. Well, you can program wisdom because I've had wisdom programmed into me from a very early age growing up in a religious school wisdom was taught. Wisdom is not the product of living. It's partially the product of living, but there were so many old people who were stupid that I'm, I'm not sure age brings wisdom in, in, in so many, you know, some finite micro arenas it might, but there are old fools and there are young fools and there are old wise people and young wise people. I had wisdom at 15 not because of innate gifts, but because I was taught it. I wrote a piece on that recently that I had, uh, my, my, my fellow students and I at our religious Jewish school had more wisdom than the average kid at Harvard, than the average professor at Harvard. That's a big claim, but there's no doubt in my mind it's true. Which proves that secular institutions do not give wisdom. Anyway, I don't see uh, I, I I don't see artificial intelligence grasping God. By the way, that that's a worthy topic for another time, grasping God. I don't I don't think that highly of myself, and I think I, I have a lot of self respect. I've I've worked at it. I've tried to earn my self-respect, but I don't have that much faith in my own brain that I can come up with these answers. If I want to understand God, I read the Bible. That's it. I don't make up stuff. Interestingly, I have come to realize, writing my Bible commentary, called The Rational Bible, Volume 3, by the way, the third of five volumes is coming out next month. I have a huge event at the Museum of the Bible, first week of October. You are invited to come from anywhere in the country. It is really going to be a special day. The, The book is Deuteronomy, the fifth of the five books, but it's the third of my publication of my writing. I did not write them in, in order. One, two, three, four, five. Anyway, there's information on coming to that event uh, at my, uh, on my website, dennisprager.com. Those are the kinds of things that you're happy you did. You're happy, it's, you know, you, do you want to spend the money? Do you want to travel? I mean, these are, these are the things that prevent people from very rich experiences. Got a special tour of the Bible, too, aside from time the time with me and I will broadcast my show from the museum. It will be quite a day. Four weeks from now. Less than four weeks from now. My, My point, my larger point is, it is not the death of God that is the real problem for the West. It's the death of the Bible. Nobody talks about that really as much as the other and I understand that neither did I till very recently. You can believe in God and be a fool. But it's pretty hard to believe that the Bible especially the f- the first five books for Jews and I think even for Christians they have a special status the Torah is ultimately divine a divine creation. <laughs> that that can help you with wisdom. Okay, let's see. Hmm, that's a good one. Amy in Minneapolis. Hi, Amy.
1: Mr. Prager, it's an honor. Thank you. Any advice on how to become an interesting person? I'd like to teach a religion class this fall to young teens.
2: You know this is such a great question and I don't think it was ever asked. So you know you'll love this. Uh you really if I if we gave out cigars for for calls you'd get a cigar. So I try to zoom or Skype or whatever with my grandson every every week cuz we live different coasts and I try to teach him I try to offer him wisdom and usually I use a biblical text something I've written on usually but not always and just this week it was about being interesting (laughs) (laughs) and I told him a major major discovery that I made and I'm going to keep you on so don't don't uh, go away while we take a break The single most important element in all communication, musical, because I'm into music, as well as speech and writing, you must be interesting. Back in a moment. That ever true. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here whatever's on your mind hour. Amy in Minneapolis has asked one of the 10 most important questions you can ask. (laughs) I should make such a list by the way. How do you become interesting? What made you, what made you even think about that?
1: Because I'm I'm a boring person and I, and I do not want to be a boring teacher.
2: <laughs> Why do you think you're a boring person?
1: Not a good storyteller.
2: Hmm. Well, there are many ways of being interesting, and and there were a lot of storytellers who were boring. Uh, so that that's not. Are you married? Yes. Does your husband think you're boring?
1: Probably not.
2: <laughs> Have you ever asked him? Has he ever said anything about it? <laughs> Has he fallen asleep while you spoke?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs>
2: Okay. So, all right. I really thank you for, for calling. Oh, that is precious. I have never had anybody. I've had everything. 40 years of talking to people or with people, to be precise. You hear everything. I'm, I'm boring is a <laughs> because of first. By the way, it, I use that term with my kids. Once each. And you should all use this with your child. If they say they're bored, say, no, you're not bored, you're boring. That So I heard it once and never again from my kids because they knew exactly what I would say. So back to my theory on interesting. I could do an hour on this. So I, I realized the secret to communication is first and foremost you must be interesting you could say the most important things possible you will not be heard if you're not interesting now how do you become interesting that was the question that amy called up to pose well she's going to teach a class i forgot what she said was it was a bible class i don't remember well, I'll tell you, if you teach a Bible class, just use my commentary, and I promise you'll be interesting. It'll just provide you with so much, i mean, year, literally years' worth of material. But aside from that, although I'm not fully aside from that, find something interesting to, to use if you, don't, if you don't want it just to come from you. Bounce the idea off somebody before you teach the class. See if they're interested in it. Are you interested in it? That's, that's a very good question. I've always said about talk show hosts, talk show hosts run the gamut. There are nice ones, not nice ones, just like the rest of humanity. There's every mixture of humanity in, in the talk show business, but there is one thing every single talk show host has in common and has, period, the ability to be interesting. We are interesting for a living. If we, if we don't hold your interest, we lose our job. Anyone who deals with other people should think that way. If I'm not interesting, I'll lose my job. What? Well, there are jobs that don't entail your being interesting, I would presume. A c- computer programmer, I guess, doesn't have to be interesting. But anytime you communicate, you do. Okay, let's go. Mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Gainesville, Florida. Benjamin, hello.
3: Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, one, uh, one topic that uh, preoccupies me, I guess maybe because I live in a college town, is how immature the average 20-something-year-old is these days. And I thought of something some months ago, which is this. Every day I meet young people and young women who... Say they can't work because they're full-time students; they're too busy with schoolwork. But so many of those same young women would mock the idea of not working to be full-time mothers, and that doesn't make sense. How come being an adolescent college student, you know, is so important you can't work? But then being a mother is, I guess, not so the one. Right. So
2: that's an interesting question. It's okay to be full-time student, but not full-time mother. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah. Well, so you made a few points, and I thank you. One is the immaturity of so many people your age. Nothing's changed, I felt similarly, a long time ago. The uh, maturity is not a value, has not been a value since World War II. Parents did not raise kids to be mature. They raised them to have no problems. They had the depression in World War II. They wanted to raise a generation that had no problems. and That was a colossal error and it is part of the problems that we are seeing to this day. Because now we have the immature teaching children. which Immaturity does not end automatically at age 35. Immaturity ends when you decide to be mature. Everything in life is a decision. You become an adult, not at a certain age, at the age you des- you desire to be an adult. As regard the mom, yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair question. Look, they've been almost brainwashed your generation, and the generation before, and my generation even, to believe that there are so many things more important than, ha- than having children. On the list of, for the, the woke certainly, on the list of significant contributions to society that you can make, being a mom is quite low on that list. Yeah, higher, Much higher on that list would be driving an electric car. Ah, now you're contributing to society. Keeping your own nation alive by having children, like Japan is in crisis, it's not reproducing. And raising good children, nah. You know, out of nowhere, while talking to a caller, I came up with a new saying about the left, which is as good as everything the left touches, it destroys, which is true here it is. If it ain't broke, break it. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, it does make sense. If it ain't woke, break it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's go to more of your calls. It's the what's on your mind hour okay dallas texas colin hello dennis how are you today i'm well thank you
3: thank you and thank you for all you do you are an extremely thought-provoking guy which makes you interesting when when i listen to you um my my question is um you you frequently say that donald trump is the greatest president since a lincoln and I'd like to hear your explanation of why you placed Trump ahead of Reagan, uh, particularly in light of Trump's position on free trade and Reagan's accomplishments in confronting
2: and ultimately destroying the Soviet Union. It's a very fair question, and I, w- I would never argue with anybody who said Ronald Reagan was the greatest since Lincoln. M- my point is not in any way to diminish the greatness of Reagan. It's only to state that in terms of accomplishments, uh, he certainly was not as, well, he inspired many Trump, to be honest, I I can't say. I mean, I certainly found Reagan's personality more ingratiating, to say the least, and he's much more lovable, but in terms of accomplishments... What this man did in confronting the deep-seated, that is Trump, the deep-seated issues in, in America. That's why they hate him, because he he took on for the first time the deep state, which I didn't know existed. That's how out of it I have mm-hmm. been my, in my whole life. I didn't know we had a deep state. I thought the CIA and FBI... And DIA and all the, and this and 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 NIH and CDC. I thought these were honorable institutions, and in, in large measure, thanks to Trump, I realize how corrupt they have become over time. We have a, a staggering amount of corruption in this country. It is very scary. We have political prisoners for the first time. Uh, he uh, began building a wall. He confronted the issue of illegal immigration. It wasn't as intense under Reagan, but it was. And uh, he brought a peace to uh, to n- number of countries in the Middle East, which was an incredible achievement. He had the lowest un- unemployment rate in American history for minorities. I mean, the, the, these were very serious accomplishments. And he he made... America aware, as I said, I'm repeating myself with regard to deep state issues. So he he's he, he did a lot, and that's that's why he was hated more than Reagan. The left hate the mm-hmm. left hated Reagan, but, but not like they hate the Trump.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, thanks very much. Very fair question. You will hear and I, it's a good time to remind you of the Dennis and Julie podcast. I want you to know I, I don't, uh, I never, or I try never to exaggerate. My podcast with the Julie Hartman, the 22-year-old girl, woman, whatever term you wish to use, uh, is unique because it is so open about life, about our lives, It's truly unique, and it's a phenomenal way to get young people into my universe of thought. It's called Dennis and Julie. The podcast is uh, viewable on YouTube. It's very easy to find, Dennis and Julie podcast, or you could just listen to it at the Salem Podcast Network. Is that correct, Sean? Did I get that correct? Wow, I am really proud of myself. This is an achievement for me. Julie told me a story she is I I, I hope she's not listening because she'll be annoyed that I'm telling you this story because <laughs> she's gonna say it on the podcast she was talking she was on a date she was talking to the guy but Trump came up and this middle-aged woman said do you do you support Trump or do you like Trump she, Julie said yes And just started screaming at her. (laughs) I can't wait till you hear it on the next podcast. Dennis and Julie with Julie. Back in a moment. And here it is. I'm back in a moment. I I, I wasn't fooling. (laughs) Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show. Commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com